0: G'day, welcome to the Noobspero Podcast. My name's Isaac K.K. Shrek, the host of the Noobspero Podcast. Today's episode is way, way, way different than normal. Uh, Generally, on this podcast, I chat with spearfishing experts and authorities from around the world and sort of dial in on the tips and stories and tricks and wisdom that they've learned over years, spearfishing in the sport, and sort of share those lessons learned. Uh, Today's episode's a lot different. I chat with Rob Tratt, who's the brother of Matt Tratt, the bloke who recently was fatally attacked off um, Fraser Island, and uh, we get to share a little bit of Matt's story here on the podcast, which is it was a real honour and uh, it was a pleasure having Rob. He reached out to me and messaged me and um, mentioned, you know, and I I, I knew Matt. He had contacted me previously about the podcast and shared that, you know, he was really enjoying it and uh, this is a definite first for me, It's having one of our listeners um, sadly pass away and this time, uh, it sounds, it it was quite probably a bull shark that attacked him and and killed him fatally and so today, this episode, you get to listen to my chat with Rob, who was in the water with Matt when it all happened, and uh, Rob's only a noob to, to spearfishing, but you know frothed on it and getting to hang out with his, his younger brother, uh, Matt, who is a very competent and very uh, passionate sparrow, who, funnily enough, listened to the show as well. So get to share that story with you today, and I'm not going to have any ads or anything else. Uh, this episode's not about boosting downloads or some sort of weird type of thing where I, you know, get to share some sensationalist news. This is, uh, the story of a guy who loves sparing and who unfortunately, you know, had, um, something awful happen and, um, it could have happened to any of us by the sounds of it. And, um, so anyway, let's get into this interview with Rob Tratt and, um, we get into the shark story fairly late in the interview. If you if you want to skip ahead to that, then I would encourage you to go to today's show notes, com forward slash Matt, M-A-T-T, and you can see where the story starts into the story of the actual attack itself. But it was a real pleasure just getting to hear Matt's story, how he grew up, and a little bit about the bloke. Um, and yeah, look. I don't know if I can say enjoy this episode, but look, let's get into it. I had a mad chat with Rob, and it's a top interview. Here we go. G'day, Noob Sparrow community. Um, Today's interview is... uh I don't know, really know how to put it delicately. It's um, it's not something I've ever done before, and um, it's a real honour to be able to do it. And um, I'm kind of humbled by the experience, to be honest. Uh, but I just wanted to welcome along Matt Tratt to talk about um, some stuff that happened with uh, his brother Matt recently. So welcome to the show, Rob.
1: Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, uh, I contacted you straight away. Um, my brother was a big fan of the Noob Spear podcast. Um, I don't know what number you're up to, but I, I have a feeling he was up to number 126 from the start, and um, uh, he's been listening to all the new ones ever since he got on board, and I've listened to about three of your shows. I listened to one, um, is it Nile, someone, Niles?
0: Nile Cameron.
1: That crazy South African?
0: Yeah, yep, yep.
1: And, mate, that was just so entertaining. That guy is just such a legend, and um, my brother knew I'd love that that one, so you know, I got stuck in, Listen to that. And, um, I'm a massive hunter. I'm love my guns, love my shooting, um, love shooting pigs and all that sort of stuff like that. And that's my passion. That's, that's what I'm really into. And, you know, oh, I'm heavily involved in that scene. I'm, I'm also, you know, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, I love it. I'm addicted to it. And, um, my brother's into the, the spearfishing and, um, he's got all the spears and, He was like, man, don't get any spears. You come spearing with me. And I was like, yeah, same here. Like, don't buy any guns. Just come and you can use my guns. And, and, um, it's been really good, so yeah.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, I'd love it if my brothers were as organized with their passions as I am with mine. Um, but th- th- I actually I dropped a bloody full full set of spearing gear off to my youngest brother last year and it sat in his garage. So um it's bloody good that you guys had that kind of relationship. That's pretty special too. Um, yeah.
1: I hope you tucked up those rubbers then because otherwise they're going to be gone.
0: <laughs> and the bugger ended up actually giving the stuff off to a mate, but he's a generous bugger and he wouldn't have given it to uh, just any old old person. This person that was passionate, wanted to give it a good crack. So I don't begrudge it at all. But, yeah, um, no, that's,
1: well, that's like, um, you know, it's funny that we talk about, we've got these two different passions, but over the last couple of months, like he get, does work up at Noosa and he'll drive home and he'll ring me up like once or twice a week and we'll have a conversation for like an hour, an hour and a half. and. He'll talk about all the things from the Noob Spiro show and you know the technical aspects of of a, of a spear. Like you know, he just loves I love that technical stuff. And it's funny, man. You can draw so many parallels from firearms to to the spears. He was telling me about how he's listened to one show and it's the diameter of the shaft means it can get a better penetration, but you know you lose a bit of weight behind it. But it'll go faster through the water. And the shorter the rubber is, the higher the muzzle velocity off the end of the the, um, the spear and and all that sort of stuff like that, and I I love that stuff like that's the yeah, stuff yeah. I could live on for days, even though I'm not even an active spiro. But um, you know, we're talking about you know the speed the difference of the roller versus that. Yeah, and it's that's the stuff that like does it for me. You know, it's pretty exciting, and, and um, yeah. So that's it's what's cool. That's
0: awesome. So what's the age gap between uh you and Matt?
1: So I'm two years older than he is. So. But I don't consider him the little brother. He's just always been my brother. And then I've got a little sister, you know. So okay, um, pretty close age gap. So, um, but we've probably been closer in the last couple of years than than we were previously because he was travelling around the country. We we were never that tight. Like he'd ring me up once every six months, and I was like, "What's wrong?" And he'd be like, "Nothing." So like, why are you calling me? He's like, well, <laughs> "Everyone keeps asking me how you are, so I'm just ringing up to ask how you are. How are you? I'm like, yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, like, and we'd have a good laugh and a chuckle about it, but and then um you know once he once his wife got pregnant she come back to to they come back to brisbane or to sunshine coast and and uh, we we saw a lot more of them then obviously and stuff like that and mm-hmm. of course they got the kids and my wife wants to see their kids and I want to see their kids as well and so me and Matt you know we got to hang out a lot since since the kids have come along and and uh it's just been really good you know so it's just yeah, it's just been fun good times he's a good bloke Yeah, awesome Awesome,
0: so I mean, you're into your land hunting. Matt was into spearfishing. Um, when did that all start? Do you think for the two of you was it a separate or was it a sort of a?
1: I was trying to think back on this, and look, I probably don't have the full details of of how that started, but um, my dad had this um, Hawaiian sling, and it's a um, oh, so yeah, and it's this it's this old school Hawaiian sling. It's a, a big um, brass one that's been chrome plated, Okay. right? And you can untwist the end, and you can extend it out, right? <laughs> so it goes from like,
0: like a telescopic pole spear.
1: Yeah, so you like untwist the end, and it goes from like like six foot, and it can extend it out to like twelve foot. I you know oh, no I'm exaggerating, but as a young guy, I used to get it, and I'd untwist, it, I'd take it out to about eight foot, so that when I have got the rubber, I could push it all the way up to eight foot. Because if you went any longer, it'd start to bend, and it wouldn't go straight oh yeah yeah Yeah, so you know like the old fiberglass one so i knew where the limit was of how long i could make it to get the most power out of it because obviously i understood that at a early on that you need the power and uh, yeah i'm not sure one of our mates turned up with a, a a fiberglass hand spear like a hawaiian one and um he's like and i was like oh yeah i've got dad's got one of them i'll go i'll go ask him for it and i went home and knocked it off and the rubber was all perished, and I had to go down to Amart All Sports and I bought like I don't know, like a meter of rubber and tied a knot and bent the little metal things around it and all that stuff. And um, I I don't remember what the first thing I got, but I, I remember I remember the the real first experience I was with the brother in law actually, and this was probably before he was even dating my sister. And um, we went out in the ocean, and um, I was out there and there was this big flatty just laying on the on the bottom of the sand, like you know, it's just a beach, I don't know, in the calandra or Maruchi door somewhere or maybe cool. And um this big flat end, I just, just went straight over the top of it. I didn't even dive down because it probably only meet, you know, two meters, two and a half meters deep, it was straight through the top of its head. <laughs> and it was, it was just thrashing around like cause I it like, you know, it was thrashing around. And I remember I was holding the spear into the ground and then reaching up to try and get a breath of air because it's the waves come through. And I, this thing's thrashing around for a while. And anyway, I get this thing and I like lifting it up on the spear, like keeping it on the spear. And I walked it into the beach and just waving it around like a trophy. And then all <laughs> these people coming up and oh man, that's a big fish! I didn't know they were out here. Blah blah. And I sort of hid it in beside this rock and put my towel over it. And then I was like took my brother in law. I was like, I'll get you onto a good one. You know, like I'll I'll teach you what to do. Like like I was some kind of expert because I just got one big fish. <laughs> and um, you know, I took him out there and. um and uh, and I got him on found him another flathead, just slightly smaller than mine. Could you not make sure you don't get him one bigger than yours? And um and uh, anyway, got him onto it. He chased it off once, and then we I found it again for him and chased it off again. I, I can't remember if he missed or if he just if it just he got too close or whatever. Anyway, he shoots it through the back of the head, but his dies like instantly. And um <laughs> I remember we dragged that one up the beach and and one of our old friends was was up the beach, and I was like, yeah, we we're holding up these fish. He's like, put him down, put him down. You're attracting too much attention. I was like, who cares, man? These are like, these are good fish. Anyway, um, he's like, no, put them down, hide them. Wrap them up in that tower, wrap them up in that tower. We wrap them up in that tower. He's like, gets us off the beach real quick. And he's like, he's like, um, dude, those fish are illegal. I was like, what do you mean? They're above the 450 or 350, whatever the legal size was. He's like. Yeah, but the max size is 750. And one was 96 centimetres and the other one was 89. And he was he was cracking it at me like he was going off his chops and and um but it's funny, as angry as he got, I've never seen someone eat the fish so fast in his life. So. <laughs> uh, and I can um, like, is- so it was within that time frame was what when he started getting into the Hawaiian slings with with my other mates and um and uh and then he sort of went off on his own. It was probably like was probably literally the last time I went spearing. and um, but he carried it on because I don't even eat fish. Yeah, righto. Okay, yeah, cool. It's deep fried and crumb because it doesn't taste like fish. Cool. So,
0: so you and you've ended up sort of heading off on this hunting path. Did was there something that appealed to the water with with Matt or was it like uh, what do you oh, really yeah, reckon? He,
1: yeah, well, he was into his surfing, big big time. You know, I did I did surfing to some degree, but. You know, he he moved up the coast and and he was yeah surfing all the time with with some of our other mates and um, he really got stuck into that and he just loved the water life I guess so he he every weekend was hitting the beach and and he just he just enjoyed it and I think it's just a natural progression from there um, maybe he was a bit tighter up for cash and he could get get free free fish for food and stuff like that as well so mm-hmm. but that's probably not true I think he in, certainly enjoyed eating his fish you know we we're brought up by my, my dad like always going fishing and catching fish and, and stuff like that. But I only found out later that, you know, we, my dad was massive into his lure fishing. Okay. He never caught a fish on a lure, but I was too busy catching fish to notice that he wasn't catching any on lures. So I think when he got onto a spear and he could he could get stuff, he was like, loved it, you know. Maybe he's playing catch-up.
0: Something about seeing them too, like it's a little bit different than lime fishing. Like, um, you know, like whether you're catching them or not, kind of the joy of seeing them is um, is also a big part of it as well. So, yeah, cool. Mm. No,
1: and that's probably one of the things that I, I just got to appreciate in the last couple of months talking to him all the time is, you know, I hate these vegan extremists, these activists, and, you know, they try and stop hunting and try and stop. Fishing and all this sort of stuff like that. And mm. you know, the, the one thing he pointed out to me was he gets to be really selective of the fish, you know, like he can choose what fish he takes out of the water. If mm. you're a line fisherman, you can only take what you catch that comes in and choose whether to put it back or not. Mm. And the chances of catching something is almost so slim, you just have to put up with whatever gets on the hook. Mm. Whereas he can go out there and be selective of exactly the fish he wants and, and, um, you know, he's like says to me. You know, this he was telling me how like you know certain fish are are good to eat, but only if they're fresh, straight off the plate, mm-hmm. straight to the plate. But then other fish can hold in the on ice for a long time and still be really good to eat. So
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, it's it's interesting that he would select fish based on whether he could eat them and consume them straight away, or whether they're going to be put in the freezer. You know, and. I can and all relate that
0: sort to of that. Stuff like that so. I can relate to that. Like the the longer you spearfish for too, like you, you know what's in your freezer. It's like you have this inventory in the back of your head, and then depending on how much fish you've got on hand, is kind of, you know, it's how it's how many fish you kind of take on the day, and and definitely it, it sort of um, marks you for in terms of you know what you plan to catch and, and and stock up on and all the rest of it. So it also seems to to vary my bloodlust. Like, it's, it's
1: it's funny though, like. Um, how even though I'm not in the fishing scene, I was still able to influence him to some degree because, um, I'm like I said, I'm sort of massive into my bit, bit political and all that sort of stuff like that. And I was talking to him about the some of the changes they're talking about in the New South Wales um, fish laws and all that sort of stuff like that. And I was telling him how, you know, only something like two percent of um, bag limits ever get reached by at least, but mostly by the line fishermen and all that sort of stuff like that. And um, I was telling him how I sort of disagreed with some of that, blah blah. blah. And, Anyway, next thing I was talking about how um, like your bag limit is what's in your freezer, not what's on the boat. And he's like, "Ah, huh? what do you mean?" I was like, "Yeah, mate. You, you you know, if you can only have two of a fish, it's not two of a fish per day. It's two of a fish in your possession." Mm. And then he's like, "Oh!" And so he went and researched, and he's like, "Wow, wow!" And of course, that's like changes the game again because now you've got to, you know, if you've already got two fish, you've got to either give one away, or you've got to give boycott those fish to get other fish, and and um, and uh, you know, it's interesting that even someone that's not in the spear game can can pass on some kind of education, and
0: yeah, for you know, sure. So i mean how important was this kind of this hunting you know this self-sustaining you know catching your own food something special it's something land hunters and and and, and spear spearfishers spear can relate to completely i think how important was that to matt
1: yeah it, it was really important you know he was he was um he's all about putting the good food on the table you know like he, he still loves his beef and his and his chicken and that probably more of chicken than, than the beef and that and um but no he was him and his mates are real connoisseurs of the, the different fish, you know, and um, they, they joke about which fish were good and which fish were bad and, and um, you know, uh, yeah, so it's just it's just one of those things that's like, you know, like they're going, oh, this one is uh, better than this one and that's that one and, you know, uh, I'm like, man, fish is a fish, they're all dirty, you know, like <laughs> unless you do from crumb them.
0: Yeah. It's like the the longer you do it too, the more um, refined your palate gets, and the 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 fussier you become with the treatment of particular species and and the way in which you approach them. Um, yeah, you know. that, and of
1: course that's where he comes into like starts talking about um, how to prepare certain fish. Like, oh, that one you need to cook it on a barbecue and use lemon, or that one is a deep fryer, or you know, this one will hold its moisture good. I don't know all this stuff he was Mm-mm-mm. coming up with and. Yeah, and cool. uh, in that.
0: So it sounds like you influenced each other. How did he influence you? Like what were some of the biggest things, um, with regards to, I guess is you know, the, just the lifestyle of a hunter. Was it? was there, did he have any influence on you as a younger brother?
1: Um, well, he was my younger brother, but, um, as far as fishing and hunting goes, he probably didn't have too much of an, an impact. Um, but, uh, you know, in, just in my personal life and, you know, I was living in Logan when he first moved back and he, um, he really pushed me to move out of there. You know, our house was getting broken into all the time and cars getting the windows smashed. And it's funny, like, when you live there, your level of normality becomes quite obscured of what you think is normal behaviour. And he's like, dude, you've got to get out of there. That's not normal. That's not normal. And, and I, I can't remember what the conversation was, but something he had, I was like, man, yeah, you're right. I've got to get out. And... um getting out of Logan was one of the best things that ever happened to me. And that's also what op- opened up the opportunities, being half an hour closer to him. Okay, yeah, we can go there on a Friday night, now come back on a Sunday night. And that's when the friendship really picked up to the next level and we got to spend some really good quality time together. You know, even just going up there and sitting on his boat and talking talking spear and talking guns and, tinker- and talking about his boat. And, you know, he's got a lot of- invested in his boat and he finally finished it and he never took it out, so it's a little bit disappointing, but um, that's okay. We're, we're okay with that. So
0: so you live in Brisbane fairly close to me now. Um, your brother was up on the Sunshine Coast. Um, where did you guys grow up? Were you in the uh, up, up in the Sunshine Coast or were you here in Brisbane?
1: No. Nah. No, we grew up in Ipswich, mate. We just, oh, right, eh? We, we grew up on a 14-acre block, and we used to run around with air rifles and, and just shoot stuff, We'd shoot guns and try and shoot hares and stuff, and. Never really successfully took anything down of down course. But, um, yeah, man, we must have gone through thousands and thousands of um, of air rifle pellets. It was, um, <laughs> you know, we had a good time growing up and there's a little dam there and we used to go fish the Spangled Perch that would breed up in there. You know, me and my brother would go cane toad hunting with a BB gun with a torch strapped to the um the barrel. And dad was telling me it was 14 years after we left the house before he saw his next cane toad. <laughs> that's a good right, we, run you we, boys we,
0: you did a good job there
1: oh mate we we knew where they lived we knew how to hunt them like we were like digging them up out of cracks in the mud because we knew that they were down there and you know we're scooping out tadpoles and killing the tadpoles and you know just trying to protect our waterways that's what we thought you know, so. yeah
0: yeah oh, and you and you were you know like they're they're an invasive pest and um I guess that's the other side of it is like as hunters and stuff we have a we have a you know even I think from a young age we have an interest in playing our part in a healthy ecosystem so it's awesome this is so why it's so important i think to get your kids out there it's because you know we like being part of the ecosystem we don't view ourselves as like nature and we're people it's like we're all in this and as people we have a role to play in it and you know when you're a young kid like in new zealand it's it's possums that are invasive so we're always shooting possums you know i mean australians hear that like big brush tail possums and that and in new zealand it's like they're on steroids they're big than a house cat, and um and their and their their fur grows really thick. But you know, but from a young age, I grew up kind of the same as you guys. It was hunting, hunting them, and we're not really hunting. It was more just shooting, to be honest. But I think you know, like um. Yeah, it's it's special growing up as a kid and being able to fish, being able to hunt. These are the kind of the core values we have, you know, and um, whether it's cane toads or possums in New Zealand, whatever it is, I think it's a it's a special thing. And it's a funny how, like, bonds grow and develop over that time as well. So, yeah.
1: Well, you know, they're talking about the cane toad problem in Queensland and all that man. Just bring back BB guns, mate. They'll be gone in two years.
0: <laughs> oh, the gun, the gun laws. Let's not get started, Jeepers. You, I, I know you like your politics, but Jeepers, that's a that's a shipfire that one.
1: Yeah, that's a big can of worms. Oh, not not interested in opening that tonight. Oh, that's fine. Cool.
0: Um, what about your your brother's personality? What was Matt like as a bloke? Um, you got to know him a lot as an adult yourself. I mean, how would you describe him, and how would you know some of his best mates kind of describe him?
1: Look, he's very, um, you know. People say he's on the spectrum. You know, he's got the And And um, he's very—he's a straight shooter. You know, if you want to know how it is, he'll tell you, and it'll hit you in the chest sometimes. And um, some people aren't prepared for it; they don't know how to deal with it because he just—he doesn't sugarcoat anything. It's—it's—it's it's, it's as it is. You know, I remember as a kid, like you know, he telling chicks, "Oh, your bum looks big." And that I was like, "Dude, you can't say that." He goes, "But it does, it does." I was like. Yeah, but you can't say that. What can I say it if it if it is? And I'm like, dude, you're never going to get a girlfriend if you say <laughs> things like that. And, you know, and it's just just been like that. That's the sort of the thing he says, like you know, just says what is. But you know, a lot of people growing up around him and that they, they they accept it. And you know, we have got one one friend, and she's good mates with my sister. She grew up with us in the house, and she's like seven years younger than me and five years younger than him. And um, she's like, she knows it. And, like, my brother will say stuff to her and she's like, oh, like, whatever. What off a duck's back? Like, he he doesn't really mean it, but, like, who cares? And she said she loves watching him dish it out to other people and they don't know how to react to it and they're squirming and, like, oh, is that serious? Like, what do you mean? And she just says she gets a thrill from that. Like, <laughs> you know, but um, you always get the honest truth. I think if, if, you know, one thing is people often, they only get told what they think you want to hear and he never does that. And um, he was never changed the way he talks for anyone. So he's not very – I wouldn't say he's not very politically correct, but, you know, it's just um,
0: – He just doesn't beat around a, the bush. He boy. won't lie to you. He just tells you tells yeah, you as it you know, is.
1: Obviously, he's a good family man and he's a good husband and, uh, and all that to his – good, good dad to his kids and all that sort of stuff like that. And, you know, he, he worked on a lot of things there for a long time. You know, he didn't want kids. It ruined his trip around Australia. But, um, you know – when they started getting a bit older and started communicating with him, he he really turned it tight and started enjoying it, and and um, you know it was just the, the diaper stage he couldn't just didn't like so, um, but he loved it. That, and, that's um, a dad thing you know, too, I think. He was teaching his young son how to, to spearfish, you know, so hmm. just passing it on down the generations. It's pretty cool.
0: So you guys were you were out spearfishing? Um, was it a fishing line fishing trip? Um, how did how did um I mean, what was the Look, circumstance?
1: I, I, what I'd like to talk about first mm-hmm. is um, I just want to talk a bit about what it was like. I had to get some notes off of his mates on what he's like, as I guess, to try and build the, what the experience level yeah, was in the water. for sure. And um, that's what I'd like to talk about first. And then, um, yeah, so um, like I said, I'm not sure how the spear gun come into the hand, but obviously this is a natural progression after the um, – after that the hawaiian sling but um uh, hang on i'm just trying to find the the, the notes i talked so yeah no worries. i do apologize to the listeners but you know this is a part of the story that i really wasn't there for and and so i have to speak from from others but um you know he told me the stuff and i listened but as a as a shooter i don't I didn't know what's special and what's what's not in the community so i'm happy to talk about the things as we go through it but um uh, okay, so he he was he could he could dive down to thirty five meters, and uh, he was a two minute diver at those depths. Um, he was a high level diver, extremely competent. Um, but even at the level he was at, he was always willing to listen and to talk to other divers and to learn more. He loved listening and loved learning from the Noob Spiro podcast, which is why I'm here, and it's it's something he made his. All his spear mates listen to <laughs> when they're driving around to and from work and, and to the spear and grounds and all that sort of stuff like that. And in the in the water, he was always calm, professional, especially in the deeper waters. He would always wait and watch you for, for you from the surface. Um, if it was your dive, he would take. He wouldn't take his eye off you until you reached the surface, um, and he knew you was okay. Um, he really enjoyed diving with the guys um, that that, and that would do the same for him. Um, and my mate Wayne, he said he always felt safe and comfortable in the water with Matt, and he just had that presence about him. He would always cater for all levels out on the trips. If Maddie had one guy that was a 10 to 15-metre diver and the rest were 30-plus divers, Maddie would work around to make sure that everyone got a good dive on a spot that suited to all levels. He was a real class act in that sense. Um, and and I know for a fact that he loved taking new guys out. He loved he just wanted to fish with people that were keen to fish. It didn't matter whether you were a five metre diver or a thirty metre diver. He just wanted people that were hungry for it and excited about passionate. You know, it's difficult when when people got kids because they can't go out at the drop of a hat. And he, you know, with this this sport, it's all weather dependent. So you need to be able to go out when the weather's good. And so the more people that he could take with him, then the more opportunities to spear. Because obviously when you when you dive in these deeper things, you can't be alone. Um, and, uh, you know, like all good hunters, he always looked for a good kill shot. He was a natural at his techniques and movements in the water and he was stealthy and an efficient hunter. In the recent months, he finally got the boat to the level that he wanted, which I talked about, um, had big plans for a swan, swan's Swains. Swains? Swains, Swains, Swains yep.
0: was, Southern Great Barrier Reef. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and it was the ultimate goal for him to run his own boat out there for a big mission. Um, but obviously, sadly, that'll never happen now. That, you know, the boat's sitting out; they're finished. What sort of boat and, is um, it? Oh, is it? Is it? So it's a uh, Mustang. I think it's a six point five meter. Um, but with the new thing, with the pot off the back, it's technically. He, I think he said to me, it's technically like a seven and a half meter boat.
0: Gee, because he was he, um, was he was building a great Swain's boat. It,
1: oh yeah, it was originally a inboard V eight, and uh, he bought it, got it home, and my mate he works at Brisbane Yamaha. And um, he was like, dude, you're an idiot, don't buy an inboard, they're just trouble. And then uh, first trip, we went out to Moreton Bay and um, it was playing up a little bit. Anyway, took it home, he did some stuff and put it back in the water. He was having issues with timing and stuff and he was ringing me up and ringing my dad up, trying to sort out the timing on the V8 engine. I bit into my my engines, you know. And um, anyway, next thing's next, the water jackets burst into into the thing and the engine was cooked and... He took it down to get rebuilt, and they were told, Man, this thing's gone, you need a whole new engine, blah blah. And he did the maths and the sums on it, and then he decided to put this pod on the back and chucked a 300 horsepower Yammy on the back because, uh, once you go Yammy, you'll never go back. So, <laughs> and um, you know, anyone on the on probably on the, on the spearfishing pages on for Queensland, probably I'm assuming you might have seen him around, but got this U Butte. Big um, stainless steel torno cover for the top, and it's purpose built. And he's like asked for some specific things because of the different levels of the deck. You know, it could sleep I think four people comfortably. Like big front thing and a thing underneath, and custom made fuel tank where the V eight used to be. And I helped fit him fit that in with him and run the run the fuel lines and um big big heavy winch off the front for the chain. You know, big long I don't know maybe two hundred meters of of rope off that. Cheapers. Um, uh, uh, like the seats were a bit custom. One of the seats is doubles as an esky, and then room for massive Esky. He just had a two hundred and seventy liter esky that they'd put in the sort of in the center of the boat, and you know because obviously not line fishing, it's not really. He did a little bit of line fishing, but 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 spearing was his his true passion. So, hmm. um, uh, and yeah, and he just he just finished getting this new sounder. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's a pretty expensive job. And I uh, drove down to Gold Coast, pick it up, and I literally like two weekends ago, we made, made this little pod, and we had to move some of the gauges from in the dash to in the pod so we could put the sounder on the dash, and it was ready to go. And he said to me, he's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, he's like, it's it's finally finished." Except um, I've started looking at these transducers. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: oh no, that's another rabbit hole. So yeah, so.
1: I, I, all I know is that's a thing for the sounder, you know, so. Some
0: some of these guys, I think maybe he was looking at these big through hole setups so you can do all cross-scanning and stuff so you can be motoring between spots and it just scans everything and it works. It doesn't become inaccurate, you know, like sometimes with their, you know your, your standard sort of transducer setup, you just lose all your detail and stuff as soon as you start motoring at serious rate of knots. So maybe that was something he was looking at, but yeah.
1: And so just to put that in perspective, he um he bought a block up at 1770 and that was he'd go up there because they were fishing up seventeen seventy all the time. So that's um the idea was to drive the boat up there, maybe in the in the um, I think it was in the winter was his plan, like leave the boat up there for three months and then just do weekend trips up there and take the boat out and just, you know, drive back down and all that sort of stuff like that. So um, you know, that block of land that that was all about being able to do a little bit of hunting, you know and um, being close to the, the really hot fishing grounds. And um, so, you know, it was, uh, you know, for his hobby, that's, the spearing was everything, you know.
0: Mm. Bloody hell. He was right into it. Um, so one of his good spearing mates has been staying there with you. You guys have been sharing sharing stories?
1: Yeah, and it's been really good because, like, oh, I know these boys, but, um, but uh, you know, it's really the first time I met him because all my stories have just been from from him. So. Mm. Oh, and just this other thing that just about his um, skill level, I guess um, uh, my mate said he spoke in depth and at length about the risks of shallow water blackouts, um, sharks, and even boat handling in the weather. And he was fully aware of all the risks. It was a real keystone for him and and our other mate Ben, and a major part of the fishing and diving dynamic. And for him personally, you know, he's he's not sure where to go from here. So I'll just pull that up there. And um, he had had two two um, blackouts. He had a, did have a shallow water blackout oh, wow. um, uh, some time ago, I think, and he did have a deep water blackout um, close to the surface, and he, he didn't, that deep water blackout, he didn't even remember coming to the surface or anything like that And he was with one of his other mates. Um, he has done the free diving course, and I believe it was when he did the free dive, I think that was like a year or 18 months ago, I'm not, I'm not sure in the thing, but when he did that, free diving course that was when I think really found more people in the community because from that he found a Facebook group which had a Facebook messenger group I think in a, in a um, Facebook page and that's when I think he started finding some of the uh, more skilled um, Spiros to go and help him find new limits and push new things and that, um, that free diving course really opened things up for him because he thought he knew what his limits were, and those guys were like, "No, this is what you expect to experience. You can go past that." And my brother was apparently, my brother was like, "Yeah, that's what I thought," but he wanted to try and stay safe, and by doing that course, really able to allow him to expand his his uh, capabilities there um, in what he deemed to be a safe environment, and and uh, make sure he was within his limits, and then. Of course, after that first shallow water blackout, talking to another older Spearer, I think it was, was, mate, you need to, you're diving deep. You know, that's, you need to start diving with a buddy. um, It's, you know, you're pushing the limits. And um, so he, that's when he sort of re-looked at everything that he was doing and, and, um, and took it to that next safety level of making sure he was being smarter in the water because he's got young kids and, and he didn't want to have an accident you know, so that was important to him, and that's the sort of things he would start to share with other young spearers that he found, and and try and get them to do these courses. and And of course, as I mentioned, he started pumping the Noob Spearer podcast because what's interesting, just talking to him over the last week about his spear and setup, and that, and even I picked up on it quickly. listened to a couple of um, things. He's like, you know, he went and bought this fourteen hundred spear gun because he was wanting to shoot mackerel and he just went down to a I was like oh, can i get a 1400 to shoot big fish and they're like yeah no worries here's a 1400 this is a good one you know he took it home and you know and he's playing around with it and wasn't real happy and you know he just ended up coming settling back on a 1200 you know with a oh, whatever 6.5 spear well, i can't remember and seven mil. and all that he he just worked you know. After doing all this stuff, and he working out all this stuff, and testing stuff, and changing shafts, and and all that sort of stuff like that, he just found out that sort of the twelve hundreds, like this really good medium. And then, you know, when he starts listening to your podcast, it's like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but the twelve hundred or the eleven hundred is like the, the core of the industry. Everyone's got a twelve hundred, and most people find they pull that out because it's a great medium spear for going in caves and shooting in the open water. And yeah, you know, you can't really miss a fish because you had a twelve hundred and you didn't have a fourteen hundred and and like he worked all that stuff out on his own before he found out, you know. Like he could have saved so much money if he just um, listened to you guys from the start and and did it did it right, you know. Like I'm not saying that Drino guys sold him a, a 1400. Mm. He went in there to buy one. They sold him one, mm. and uh, you know, like any business, everyone's happy to just sell it. And um, but he he loves the shop. He's got no disrespect for them. So, but um. No, maybe he didn't ask the right questions when he
0: was down there oh I can relate like in some ways it doesn't really matter how much good stuff you listen to either there's some hard lessons you learn yourself with it doesn't really matter who you talk to and what you listen to you do so there's an element of I think being uh, being a bloke and and wanting to learn things and know things for yourself and um, so I can understand that I the first time I went into Adreno I wanted to spend a certain amount on a spear gun and I did and they sold me a spear gun and the Guy told me when I bought it, he says you're going to be back in six months. You're going to spend a hundred dollars more, and you're going to get the spear gun that I recommend you. And it's exactly what happened. So, and I think I think there's just the the nature of the the sport.
1: No, and and yeah, he was talking to me about. Uh, I think it was a fairly recent podcast where there was some an American shop was on the podcast, and I think uh, one of you asked the question to the shop. Said, "Oh, do you sell any like hundred dollar spear guns?" And they said, no, mate, we don't sell any of that rubbish. You know, it's not ethical to use that. And, and my brother was like, he was so pumped to hear that because he's like, that's the right way to do it. You know, it's all about the ethics of yeah. of taking humane kills on the fish and being able to secure the fish and get them in the boat as quick as possible because, yeah. you know, when, when sharks are lurking, you want to get them out of the water as quickly as possible. Matt,
0: Matt messaged me, you know, like uh, in March, and we were just sort of had a few chats and he just said you know like he'd been listening to the podcast and chatting with one of his mates up there who knew me and um so it was really cool you know it's always cool to chat with people that are you know just really enjoying the podcast and the yarns and stuff i really liked it so i had a couple of exchanges with matt but you know and from from, from the messages from from what you've said and from what his sparing mates have said like it sounds like he was—he was a competent dude who was just generally interested, you know, like in the ocean, the broader aspects of spearfishing. He shared that sort of that hunter mindset, and he was always learning new things. Um, and so it, it just—it seems like even more tragic in some ways because he was just a guy that had had a real high awareness about about some of the risks that are inherent in, in what we do.
1: Yeah, and so so I guess that's where where it wants to be, where I want to talk about next is um, so. You know, um, his mate Wayne and him were diving on the Tweed Reefs, chasing Wahoo in April because it had the best visibility. In the first dive, my brother come up and told Wayne he got buzzed by a big bully. Uh, he said it comes straight at him and turned just before the spear tip and took off. And Wayne asked him if he wanted to get out, and he's like, nah, mate, it's all good. Wayne said that there's um, plenty of bullies in that area. Anyway, a week later, he, um, he dove locally. And he's seen what he says is the biggest shark of his life, and um, he was fairly sure it was a white. He had recalled a distinct line down the side where the white colour underside met the top side colour, and he noticed a few cobia with it. Um, he shot one, reefed it in as quick as he could, and his mate Cliff came up with his knife and sh- shot it and dispatched it. Um, and, and that was actually that was actually posted on the Queensland spearfishing um, Facebook page. Um, and he'd asked he'd asked if um others in the area had seen any whites and i'm pretty sure he told me that he thought it was about um four meters in length so um you know that's then that's like that's quite recently that's uh only only a while ago so you know and um yeah so so he's well aware of, of the the uh, in the water it's not something new to him
0: they're out there at the moment. There's, um, I've seen other videos too recently, you know.
1: Yeah, so, so um, just after, I think, I'm not sure if it was like a week later or a week before that was when the um, that tiger shark was terrorising the, is it the underwater psychos or something? What are they? Spear psychos or something?
0: Su- su- submerged psychos?
1: That's the one, yes. Yeah, so I think they posted a video of that tiger smashing his fins two or three times. So I'm not sure if that was like a week after he sent the white, or a couple of days before it, or something. But you know, those all, all those events were around the same, same time. So, um, so me and my brother, we we were some my my wife and his wife they'd planned to do a, um, a cruise trip, and of course with this COVID nineteen that got shut down, and me and my wife also had a, a trip to Bali was planned and, and that got shut down as well, and. Kayla, his wife, contacted me and said, hey, because um, we can't travel overseas anymore, should we do a trip to Fraser? And we're like, yeah, no way, that'll be sweet because, you know, back when we were kids, me and my brother, with our parents, we'd go there every year. And pretty much my brother's been going there every year for, like I think last year was like one of the first years he missed doing a trip to Fraser. Um, he loves the place. But I haven't been there for about 23 years and it was my wife's first time. And, uh, yeah, so – we decided to go up there would spend we was supposed to be originally ten days, but it turned out we were only gonna do eight days. And um, so we're gonna do four four days at um Yurong and uh, go see all the tourist stuff, you know, Lake Mackenzie, Lake Wobby and the Mackenzie Jetty or Wharf or whatever it's called and all, or both those things if it's two different things. So we did all those things, it was cool and, and all that. It was a fantastic time and then we um we're gonna go over to um Woody Point. Um, which is his like fishing stomping ground and we're gonna spend four days there and that's where we were gonna be smashing a fish and and um, and all that sort of stuff like that. And uh, so yeah and uh, you know the whole time we we're spinning yards and, and and talk he was telling me all about the spearfish and stuff and and all that sort of stuff like that and he brought for me uh, a twelve hundred roller. Now I'm pretty sure it's uh pretty sure it was a Robbie Allen with an Aim right roller fitted to the front, um, I don't okay. know what size rubber, rubber on it, but um, and uh, he had a, I, I think he had a Robbie Allen as well, I think it was a 1200, but I don't know, but it didn't bother me, or whatever, and um, just good core guns, you know, not not too expensive and and all that, but but did a job, I guess so, and um, and yeah, so we were gonna gonna go out in the water, so the first day I towed my my little 4.2 Quintrex wide body Dory with a 40 horsepower Yamaha on the back. Of course, it's a Yamaha because they start first time every time. And, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So, and, um, and you know, so we we towed that up. And the first day we're going to go hit the, um, now you have to forgive me because I don't know the names of all the places. So it's the, um, the Marlu wreck.
0: Okay. I haven't been there, so I don't know either. So I I,
1: I think it's the Marlu. I I think it's the Marlu wreck, which is just north of of Waddy Point there, about halfway between there and the gala rocks. So and we we went down, we went down to to launch the boat, you've got to go down towards Wadi and launch in off of one of the um, the gutters there, because it's a, a beach launch in the in the tinny. And when we're down there, these other young Spearows turned up with a little fiberglass uh tinny on the roof. And uh, you know, they chucked theirs in the water and they had this like little eight horsepower um Yamaha on there as well. And all the stickers were oh, ripped it. off, and it had exposed Yamaha, you know, exposed Yamaha motor. And I was saying, "Look at that! That's I love it because that's like guys that just just get what you need and just get out there doing it." And my brother went over there, introduced himself to him, and was talking for uh, fifteen minutes. So I'm like, "Hurry up, man! We're out there, you know." We're at, we had my wife in the boat, and um, and his little eight year old son, and we're going to go do a quick bit of spear and get get a feed for the night. And um, like, I I'm terrible in the water, and I. This is pretty much the first time I've dived in, like years. Like, I used to do a bit of where We go out there, and and um, I got some um. Is it Beauchamp? Is that the brand? Beauchamp? Beauchamp, yeah. So I, I bought these Beauchamp fins a couple of years ago. Matt <clears throat> was talking about getting me to go out with him, and and um, you know, they're just the big plastic ones. Cost me like hundred bucks or hundred twenty bucks, and bought some Adreno socks because you need socks with the.
0: With the open, I just yep, wearing yep. a
1: long sleeve rashy, got a wetsuit or thinking. Anyway, we we go out there, we throw the anchor out, and, and uh, uh, you know, I dive in the water, and he's like, "Just look, all you got to do, just find a big fish, and just spear it for me." I was like, "Yeah, no ways, I'll, I'll do that." And I was swimming around, having a look for fish, looking all over the wreck, and you know, I seen this big fish. And if you ask me what it was, I was like, "I don't know, a snap snapper." <laughs> just was a big fish. So I was probably, I, don't know, I feel like it was, I, when I looked at it in the water, I would have said it was about 60 centimetres, but after having seen what I've seen pulling fish out of the water, it was, was probably close to the 80 or 90 maybe. And I, I pull the trigger on this, this gun and I, it won't move. It's not moving. i like, damn it. And I roll a gun and I see it's got the safety. So I've got to pull the red trigger safety that's on the grip before I can pull the trigger. So I chase this fish down again. And I'm just I'm just on the top. And then I finally dive down again, lined up. And my brother said to me, He goes, he goes, We've got one request. Do not spear the rocks. Just <laughs> so I dive down, I dive down. I wait for it to swim out off the top of the rock. And I pull the trigger and nothing happens. I'm like, what the hell? So I'm looking at the gun, do you know what's what's going on? And then I see the stupid thing's not loaded. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it, it's, it's,
1: oh so, no. so I put the put the gun up. I grabbed the I grab the um, uh Is it a trainer Shaft. string? What's the second? You got a, The shooting got a line? string on the, the grab the shoot line, and I I've got to pull it back. And went like, Oh man, this thing is tight. And I oh I can't do it. And I was like oh man. So anyway, just swim around, find my brothers. I got. Like, oh. He goes, you shoot anything? I said, you didn't load it. <laughs> He's like, oh sorry, yeah, I forgot. And so. He loads it for me. And meanwhile, his eight-year-old son, he caught like this like good-sized brim, maybe maybe a 40-centimetre, 40 45-centimetre brim. He'd spear it like his eight-year-old son. He, like, he, sometimes he'll carry him down, but he can dive pretty good now. And, um, awesome. I think, I think my brother recorded a GoPro and all that sort of stuff like that. And so I swim around and I, I find another fish. I can't even remember what the other fish was. and I just pointed a gun at it, pulled the trigger. Oh, I missed it by a mile. You know, and I pulled the pulled the spear back in, and I'm like flailing around, like just in the water, trying to get the string back over the little. Like I'm like, man, how – and I was like, I worked out how to put the string back on. Man, I was pretty exhausted by the by the end of it, <laughs> like, just putting the string back on, and I you know, had it over, and had it all all done up right, and all right, now I'll go find my brother, and so I go find. And man, just playing around with that string, I swallowed so much water, like it was. And, and the yeah. water was pretty murky. It was, it was a bit murky. And um, anyway, I swam back to him. He he goes, oh, I see you've got the string on the wrong side of the spear. It needs to be on the top side of the shaft, not the bottom side of the shaft because I had it in the wrong. So I was like, oh, okay, yep. Yeah. So he fixed that. He loaded it for me. And I swam out again and I found something else and uh, had a spear at it. I found these um, cobia, uh, no, sorry, barracuda outside the thing. I kept trying to find them, but they'd moved from when I, Got them last, saw it last, yep. and um, yep. and I I'd dive down and they'd run before I get down. I would come back, I right, found found something else and had a crack and missed it by a mile again. And anyway, by the time I put the string back on, man, I was knackered. You know, I was pretty unfit in the water. And I come back to him. And I was like, oh, I've got to get out the water. Anyway, I'd get out to water, get in the boat. And my brother's like, oh, is everyone done? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he goes, oh, right, I'm just going to quickly get us a feed. He turns around dives down and like 45 seconds later comes back with like this big golden trevally and he goes, he goes, um, oh yeah, took it off him and I don't know, maybe it's 70, 80 centimetres, I don't know, just set, like you look like a huge fish to me. and um,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, uh, and he's like, oh, I need, we just need to make sure we've got enough fish, I'll go for another quick look. And um, he's had a, um, uh, what do you call it with the the, the dropper with the little shiny things hanging off it. The keeper.
0: Like the like a stringer for, for
1: like off his float for fish. Oh yeah, a Flasher. Yeah, yeah. A, Sorry, Flasher, a flasher
0: yeah. for attracting okay, yeah, yep, yep. yep.
1: So, so he's he's running around with a flasher the whole time with his son and that. Anyway, <clears throat> when he's gone, I throw up off the side of the boat like I'm <laughs> as a dog, taking in too much water. I'm vomiting everywhere. Anyway, I'm like I'm like feel good as by then. Anyway, I don't know, three minutes later, four minutes later, he comes back in, and he's got this huge fish. It's like metre long. And he goes, That's a kingy. He's like, Well, what's that? He goes, Oh, it's a kingy, he throws it in the water. And um, he goes, I'll just have a quick look for something else. He goes, Is everyone all right? I said, Oh and my wife's like, Oh, he just threw up, he's not feeling real well. I said, No, no, just just do what you gotta do. You know, I'll be all right. I'm having a good time, just just watching you and, and learning. And um, he goes away and I throw up again over the side of the boat. And um, anyway, he goes away, comes back with with nothing else. And um, he goes away, and his his wife said to me when he was out, he goes, "She's like, well, what sort of fish was that?" I said, oh, "I said it was a kingie." Anyway, we get back into shore, and we we um, you know, doing all whatever. Anyway, someone's like, "Oh, what'd you get?" And I was like, "Oh, we got a got a kingie." He's like, "That's not a kingie, that's a queen fish." I was like, "You said it's a kingie." He's like, "No, I didn't." Anyway, so that was the running joke for the rest of the. You know, the next couple of days we're playing, we're playing cards, and every time I've, every time someone flicked out a queen, would be like, oh, it's a kingy, you know, and um, <laughs> just just ribbing him because he's the one that should know what the fish are called, and that, and um. So then the the next day we decide we're going to um, go back to the Marlou wreck again, and so just the same sort of thing, we dive in there. and This time everyone's in the boat, so we got his wife, my wife, his daughter, his son, and we all go out to anchor off the Marlou wreck. And of course the those Spiro boys are out there again. You know, and, and I can't remember if it was the first day or second day, but they pulled in a, a giant travelli as well. And my, my brother was like, he's like, Yeah, I want to actually catch up with those guys before we leave. Like I'll, I'll bump in and have a chat to him. I'll sit to him I said, and no disrespect to the young fellow. I know he's probably gonna listen to this podcast at some stage, but he's um he's Instagrammed me since. So um this is a shout out to you. And um and I said, Oh, well, what sort of levels he at? He's like, ah, uh, yeah, I think he's still a, um, he's still a spirit, and find out what it is. Oh, what do you say, yeah? Spirit and identify <laughs> it later. And, and us turned, oh, I thought we had a bit of a laugh, and and um, you know, and that, that maybe that's not true, but oh, I was having a good old laugh, and you know, yeah. And, shoot um, first, identify that, that later. Before we got in the water, that was it. Yeah, shoot first, identify later. And um, anyway, we're in the water, and this guy comes up to us. and He goes, he's like, um. How do, you, how do you get into water knowing there's sharks there? And my brother was like, he goes, oh, you know, we're a big body and they would see and they'll just typically just move on. You know, they're only interested in in fish. <clears throat> and he turns to me he goes, what about you? I said, well, I just don't think about it. It's just not, you know, if you think about it, you'd never have it happen. And um, anyway, so we'd get out there and go, go fishing again off the Balu. This time visibility was probably a little bit worse. And so I was like, man, I want to find that barracuda I saw last time. I want to shoot that because his son kept going on about berries It's like, yeah, we'll get a Barry. Want we'll to get a Barry? So I thought that must be really good eating, you know. And um, we get out there, and the wife and and Kayla and and uh, and the two kids. We did a, a big snorkel around first. They were snorkeling around, and there's like, turtles in the water, and you. Could, I didn't know at the time, but you could hear the whales like going off in the in the water. They're like, going nuts. There's like there's whales everywhere out there. And it was like, you know, this, um, I saw this like 100 kilo Queensland groper and I had the spear with me. And I was like, just, I'll come out of the water like, mad, mad. I was like, oh, can I spear a groper? He's like, no, do not spear a groper because they're protected. But I, I, I sort of already knew that, which is why I asked before I speared it. I did yeah, make yeah. a mistake. Yeah, um, They ended up being a big 300-kilo one. Well, Matt said it was about 300 kilos. It was huge, big mountain of a, of a groper swimming around the front of the, the boat there. Anyway, I see this fish, finally see a good fish, because I've been real conservative because I want to save my energy and, and make sure I get it this time. Because he said to me, he goes, oh, you missed the fish. He's like, what happened? I said, uh, didn't aim. <laughs> He's like, Man, make sure you aim. Look, look down the shaft. I said, oh, and I was like, so do I just look down the shaft like I would with a shotgun? It's like, yeah, exactly like that. Just look straight down the shaft. If you can't see the shaft, you're like on point. And um, anyway, I was swimming around. I finally found a what I thought was a reasonable, good looking size fish. And if you asked me how big it was in the water, I would have thought it was about 40, 50 centimetres. And I dived down there, and I just aimed, wait for it to come off towards me. And I was aiming, spear this thing straight through behind the pectoral fin. Beautiful. The spear went through. And went into the sand and I saw it and the flopper didn't open up. It stayed shut. And I was like, oh no. So I dived down and I grabbed the spear either side of the fish and I come out the water with it above my head. Like, yeah. Beautiful. Like, beautiful. Like, my first speared fish. And, nice. and I swam over to him and I was like real chuffed. And he's like, he's like, Oh, he goes, um, it's a a morwong. Mo <laughs> Beautiful. And I was like, Yeah, Love sweet. It. He goes, he goes, um, uh, what something brim? What's it called? Uh,
0: Platinum snapper, or, uh, yeah, like, uh, and he goes, Yeah, yeah that's, that's what brim. we
1: call them. A, a bubble lip brim, that's what he said. And he goes, Um, he goes, That's yeah, what yeah. we call a mother in law's fish. So I was like, What's a mother in law's yeah. fish? He's like, That's one <laughs> you give to the mother in law because they're not willing to eat like, Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah.
0: He's
1: like, No, no, he goes, No, no, no don't worry. It's, it'll be all right. As long as we eat it fresh, it'll be fine.
0: Hmm.
1: And so, um, so we, we threw that in the boat, and, um, and he read, and I was like, But this time I was like, I'll reload the gun myself, and I um, oh, actually know it was the next time. Well, anyway, so I so I go to reload this gun, and uh, I I'd like try to reach up and pull it and pump it in to get it on my chest. I'm like, man, this thing is too tight. So I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll put it on my thigh, right against my thigh and my hip, and I reached up with both strings and I like, pulled it right down. And I'm like trying to look to see how far off the notch off the spear I am. I'm like Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, I, like, yeah. I must be nearly there. Next thing the spear slips off my hip and the spear runs out the back behind me and it runs oh. my fingers straight up the thing and then out the end of the roller. And I was like, ah looking oh. at my two fingers <laughs> thing, oh, I was in so much pain. So I had to go find above again. He was he was miles off the um the wreck with his um with his flash unit trying to trying to flash up some more big fish, you know. And I get over there, and he and he goes. He's like, "Oh, do you want to shoot a barracuda? I've got one here for you." I said, "Yeah, sure." And he goes, "He give me your gun." He quickly gives me his gun, and um, he goes, "I'll turn the GoPro on, and we'll record it, and we'll we'll get it on GoPro." <clears throat> and um, I dive down. I dive down, and I aim at it real good. I shoot the shoot this barracuda, and it just goes <laughs> and it goes whizzing off and. My brother just as quick as a whip just goes loads this roller gun and, and just finishes it off for me. And then he pulls the spear out and he get, pulls pulls the first spear out because I only just got it through the skin. He's like, oh, I don't know how he kept that on the line.
0: <laughs> gives me the
1: fish and he's like, um, okay, what I want you to do, dive down as deep as you can. I'll get some footage of you coming up with the fish and hold it out the water. And so we, we did that, like did this, like tried to do some trendy footage and lift it out the water and, and I was like got oh, this barracuda and um put it in the boat and Kayla's like, what you you know, she's like, "Oh yeah, they're, they're really good, but burly." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm like, "Oh man, I've been stitched up here. This is this is a classic, you know." So, you know, oh, so what happened? So the night before day, we cooked up that that queenfish and um, we deep fried it in panko crumbs and we ate that as family. It was really good. Anyway, he um, he texts my mate Wayne. I didn't know this till later, and he goes. Queen fish are to fish what packet pasta is to real pasta. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. you know it's funny, but I didn't know that. I thought it was really good. So, um, you know, anyway. So, so yeah, so that that was really good. And um, uh, and I was asking him all these questions about why people come to Fraser Island to, to catch Taylor and all that, and he's like, oh, that's all the Westies, you know they they want to come in and be a hero, catch all these fish and, and um, you know, look good on, you know, drink a beer every time they catch a fish. And he's like, they're terrible eating, but you can catch lots of them easily. And, you know, you can look like a hero coming back to the, with all this esky full of fish and, you know, and we're talking about how, you know, that's really why it's important. You can select your fish and do that. And, and um, I was like mucking around with him. I was like, all the fishermen, they're fat and lazy. They're, and they don't want to get in the water, you know. So they just make excuses and the big excuses classic is that there's sharks in the water you know they don't want to get in there and um, and get amongst it. so you know I, and that's the stitch up that's that's the problem is that um, because they keep saying that people keep believing it. And what's interesting is I, I phoned the cop today and he said to me he goes, oh, I haven't been watching the radio, I haven't been watching the news he goes it's all lies, it's all lies he goes and I said, yeah, I said, I said, lots of people swim in those waters, don't they? He's like, man, he's like, there's spear fishermen in there all the time, all the time, spear fishermen in there, like, he's like, you know, and it's it's the first fatality in a hundred years on on Fraser Island, like no one's been taken there, and there's plenty of people spear fishing off there. On our way out to the rocks, there, there was my brother said to me, actually, I'll, I'll I'll cut that short. So, so that next morning, so the the third morning in a row, so it's our second last night. We're going to – it's his daughter's birthday, so we're going to eat pancakes and ice cream for, for breakfast and all that sort of stuff like that, and and um, we're going to go over to Indian Head, and um, he wants to do a bit of um, fishing over there because I'll tell you why he wants to hit over there is um, – you would have, might have seen on his Facebook page five years ago, they were up on top of Indian Head looking down into the water, and he's like, oh, my gosh, there's two huge mackerel down there. And um, – so he just raced down to his car, got his gear out, put his gear on, jumped out in the water, swam out the rocks, and he smashed this. What His best estimate is 28-kilo mackerel. It's yep. like as long as he is, you know, it's huge. He's struggling to hold it. It's bigger than his son, and uh, it's a pretty impressive fish, and I think it ate really well. And, you know, so he's got a lot of pride for fishing that spot. He fished that spot every time he went there. Anyway. Hmm. We were joking that, that morning. Oh, I, I, I mean, I'm thinking all these good bits. So the first day, because we'd been on the island for like five days, neither of us had shaved. shave. So he's like, oh, quick, we've got to shave our moustaches off so that, that you know, get a good suction with the mask. So we're both like shaving the mask. I'm feeling like a pro shaving my moustache off. <laughs> anyway, he's getting the, because he's got like no soap or whatever, and it's like thick as moustache, and he's blowing out the back of the, the um, razor trying to get the hair, out of it. <laughs> he's like turned around and he's like, <laughs> and then there must have been like this little bit of plastic sticking out the back of the razor. He literally cuts his lip open like a centimetre with the back of the razor trying to blow it out and he just quickly rips the skin off. And next oh. thing he's leaving profusely oh. and he, like, he's running around sucking it in and <laughs> it literally bled all day, all day. Oh. So like, you know. And we're just we're just joking about it because like a couple of months earlier, his son had literally gone in. We we're all over one night for dinner. And his son had gone in, grabbed a razor, decided to shave his lip, <laughs> cut his lip like in the same oh, spot. Aye. So we're having but i would laughing. Anyway, we went over to Champagne Champagne Pools and um, it was it was a bit busy and full of sand. It wasn't real good. We're, okay, we'll come over back during high tide. We'll go we'll go over to Indian Head, keep we'll the water mm. there, just do a, a quick fish. And so we went out. Out onto the rocks there as a family, and um, got a nice family photo out there on the rocks. And um, we, uh, you know, we come back, and my brother's like, "Yeah, let's let's go out there. It looks pretty good." So we got all our gear and walked out um, onto the rocks. And he's like, "Oh, this is a good spot to launch." So we get there, and he starts putting all his gear on. He's already got his weight belt on. That and I'll put my weight belt on. I go to put my socks, and I'm like, "Oh man, I forgot my socks." He's like, He's like, really? I was like, yeah, man. I've got to go back for my socks. He goes, no, nah, no, nah, just just test the flippers, see if you can wear them. I was like, no, nah, man, they're pretty loose. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, just test them. Just you know, I'll put them on. We're like, dude, they're pretty loose. And he goes, look, just just jump in the water, try them on in the water, and um, if they're not too loose, <laughs> we're, we're only going to go for an hour and a half. It'll be quick, you know. And um, we're going to just spear a few fish and and um, and uh, and just put them on the line, you know, and then come back. Actually. But before before I carry on, sorry, because I I forgot some of the story. So this day before, after we got those other fish, um, well, after I got those other fish, the terrible fish, we decided to go over to Nagala Rocks and see if we could have a hunt over there. So we dropped the girls off. We went over to Waddy Point. It was all washed out with sand. It was too shallow and nothing there. So we went over to Nagala Rocks and we found some bait on on my sounder. So we decided to dive in and have a bit of a look and there was nothing there. Well, he was in the water. I had another vomit. He comes up to me and he goes, Rob, I think you get seasick. And I, <laughs> I was like, yeah, probably. Mate. I was like, just, just keep fishing. I said, I'll be right." And the whole time he was fishing around the Gala Rocks, he was holding that barracuda in his arms and he's got his knife and he's just chopping off, burling up the water, running around with the flash, burling up, burling up. And after I got him sick, he goes, oh, how sick are you? I was like, oh, oh no, I'm all right, I'm not too bad well, can you keep burling up this barracuda for me, try and track the fish in? I'll keep swimming around, see and I have a look. I was like, yeah, yeah, you no know, I said, I don't want to. I mean, I'm having fun just watching you do what you do. All right. So in the short amount of time he's been in the water, he's pretty much stripped one whole side of this barracuda. You know, it's a pretty big fish too. And I'm sitting there cutting up and I'm like, oh, man, oh, I feel sick as And I'm cutting up this and frying up. He's like, try and get the piece as small as possible. And so I'm doing what I can to, to make it as small as possible. And Anyway. Whatever, he's finished up, and I'm, I'm side straddle on this 270-litre esky in the middle of the boat, and um, he decides to pass me up the spear. So I reach over, pass up the spear, and I, I put it down beside me. Sort of while I've got my back turned, he decides he's going to push up on the side of the boat, but I wasn't ready to off-counter the balance on the small boat. And I'm like, leaning, and the next thing, the esky slides to his side of the boat. The boat sinks right down. It's about 5 centimetres, 10 centimetres from going under the water on the side of the boat. And I go over the edge, but I'm side on My leg's going to be stuck between the side of the boat and the esky. And so I just quickly like turned and and tried not to break my knee sideways. And I flicked it anyway. I end up smashing my calf, broke my toe just about. And I end up in the drink. And um, he's laughing his head off, and we're having a good time. And that. anyway, I get back in the boat, and he's taking all his kit off, and he's we're about to leave. And I said, um, uh, I don't know where that knife's gone. He's like, what? I said. Uh, I can't see the knife on the ground, and I don't know where it was when I went over the edge. He's like, "Oh no!" She so has a quick look, and he looks over the bed. He's like, "Oh, there it is, down there." So he puts all his gear back on, dives in, dives in, grabs the knife, comes back, and um, and uh, yeah. And so that was the end of fishing for that day, and um, we didn't end up eating the uh, mother norfish. It was uh, that was to be taken home and donated to someone special, and um, and uh, anyway, so that next day, like I said, so we start walking around the rocks and. Um, when we're coming back, there was this, there was literally Spearow in the water, and um, he had these bright yellow sea hornet fins. And he's like, Rob, that's the fins I was telling you about. That's the ones I started with. And we we're having a little chuckle that this noob was out there in a, you know, <laughs> in a pair of sea hornet fins having a good time, like, you know, and he's coming back in, but it didn't look like he had any fish. And, and I remember he had like this red, um, red spear gun. Anyway, it turns out that that guy. He's actually one of the rangers from the island.
0: Oh, they're, okay. They a bit
1: of a spear. So um, that's what the cop told me. So that was, that was pretty cool. And um, anyway, we go around the rocks and my brother says, this is a good launch spot and I had this saga. Anyway, so I jump in without the socks. <clears throat> I'll flick them around a bit and I'm like, are oh, alright." right? Anyway, so my brother says, we only, we only got one float. So got the big red Adreno float. He's running a real gun with a reel on his belt as well. He's like, oh, I'll just connect everything up. We'll, we'll roll the the um the float line up and we'll go out round the corner past the fishermen, then we'll let the float going, line go well it won't get tangled up in the rocks and we'll start fishing from there. And um, so we we go out, we go out round past the, the fishermen and I remember one of them dropped down on this little platform and I was like, oh, you idiot, you're going to drown, I'll wash off the rocks there. And um, <laughs> anyway, we go around the rocks, go under the fishing lines and they, of course, they were watching us, you know, and um, my brother lets go to the float line, unhooks the spear, loads the spear for me this time as well. And um, uh, we just start swimming around and visibility's not too bad. And I see this like little turtle come swimming out. It's like real beautiful, you know, that turtle's in the water there. And I, oh, I can hear the whales this time. I can hear the whales in the water. And um, we don't we don't even go very far, maybe, oh, maybe 10, 15 metres. And my brother says to me, he goes, oh, look, see that black cloud? That's uh, that's a school of um, Jewfish. And like I was pretty sure Jewfish are pretty good be eating. You know, and I know that they're a prize fish for the, for the guys down in South Wales. And, and um, he's like, what I want you to do is I'm going to turn the GoPro on again. I want you to dive down there and spear the biggest fish of the thing. And so I'm like, "Yep, yeah, okay. He's like, you ready? And I like get under the water and I, I suck in a bit of air, try and get ready. And... Um, you know, I keep I keep the snorkel still in my mouth because I'm I'm like that's what I do. Anyway, I dive down, I get about halfway to the fish, and I come up out of the water as fast as turbo because I like <laughs> a lung capacity of about nine seconds, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, I was like, oh, don't worry about it, Matt. I said, you go, you dive down and get one. Anyway, he dives down and he um mate, like, this is the first time I really got to, this is the first time I got to watch him spear. Yeah, dives down to the bottom, and it's only probably three or four metres at the most, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe even shallow. Visibility is about, I want to say it's about four metres, certainly was in my goggles. And um, he dives down there, and he's just floating on the sand, and um, he's just there still, like, just reminding me of, like, watching a cheetah in the long grass just not moving. And he's told me, you know, just go down there, be patient, the fish will come back, they'll come to you. And um he's like laying down there still as anything. When he floated down, there was this massive stingray and it swam off out from underneath him and um mm-hmm. and he's still laying there. Another massive stingray, big black one, swims over the top of him. He's just not moving, just staying down there, holding his breath. And um and uh, and I look and to the right and these other big dewis come past. So I reckon this Jew was about a meter and a half. It was it was huge and come past. And there was a pair of them. Now the other one was maybe ten centimeters shorter. And the both of them swim directly in front of his goggles, like 10 centimetres in front of his goggles. And he just stays there like a cat, just poised on the one he's, whatever one he's looking at. And I can't even see what he's looking at. Anyway, he's still there poised. And then I look over to my right and there's some more barracuda come down. So I tried to shoot one of the big ones, but it wouldn't get off the rocks and because I wasn't allowed to shoot off the rocks. I, I didn't shoot. And, of course, when it come around to in front of him, I can't shoot the jewfish near him because it's going to spear him. And um, I saw this these other two big barracuda come in, so I, I dive down, hold my breath, poised, aiming straight down the shaft as straight as I can, waiting for it to come out onto the sand. Comes out on the sand, and I hear just before I pull the trigger, my brother shoots a fish, and I go, and I smash this, I smash this jewfish straight through the back of the head from the top, because remember I'm floating at the top pretty much, like just straight through the top of the head. It goes straight behind the gills. I saw the flopper come out, and I'm like, yeah, I've got this fish. And I'm like, go to the top and I'm pulling in this fish and I'm like, yes, sweet, I'm getting to catch this big dewy and my brother's got probably got a dewy in the line and oh, this is gonna be a good time. And I come to the surface and then next thing I just hear I was like, what? And then I look over and I'm like, what? And I'm like pulling in the fish and like, it's like three meters of line, I'm not to the shaft yet. And then he just goes, shark attack. And I'm like, What? And he's like, I've been hit. He's like, it's like shark attack. I've been bit by a shark. And then I just I, I like it in awe I'm in panic and I just sort of drop the line and I just start swimming and he's like, get to the rocks. And so I just start swimming for the rocks and like I'm swimming and I, I, I look under the water and I can just see he's got this cut in his leg that's like seven inches long. It's about an inch and a wide, inch and a half wide on his on his shin, on his left shin, on the inside on the front shin. And I can just see this big pillow of blood. It's like three to four meters long. It's a metre in diameter and I'm like, oh, my God, my brother's been hit by a shark and I'm in the water. There's blood in the water. It's still in the water and I just start swimming and then I, I start swimming on my back and I'm flipping my flippers trying to keep my head under there, trying to see where the shark's going to come from. And my brother's like, because we're, we're only like literally like four or five metres from from the rocks. Like we're still really close to the rocks and the fishermen are right there watching us and um, he's like. Call an ambulance! There's a shark attack! I've been bitten by a shark, and uh, he comes up to the rocks, and and like I'm like I've got to help him get out of the rocks, and like at the same time I'm like I, I'm going to get attacked by a shark, and I'm I'm like stressing, and I'm trying to help him up, and a, a wave comes up, and one of the fishermen, I don't know if he ripped his shirt off, but he was like looking at trying to jump in the water, and he's like reaching out, and my brother dives up out of the water, and the guy tries to reach down, falls short by like two foot, and uh, my brother slides back down the rocks. He has another go, jumps right up, and he's st- st- still too short, falls short of the, the, the guy trying to lean down. It's too much of an angle and, and all that. You anyway, know, I swim around the back of him. I'm like trying to push him up the rocks. I swim around the back of him. I find a really good foothold, and I'm like standing there, and I've got like maybe my waist out up. And I'm like, Matt, come here. I'll push you up. I'll push you up. But he sort of dives in the water to go swim around the rocks. And I'm like, there, Matt, Matt, come here. And then I realized, man, he's, he's limp. And so I just dive in over to him, and I just like, get his weight belt off, just make sure I get his weight belt off and then I can maybe help paddle him out. And i feel around his waist and I'm like, feel around, and then I feel those two big buttons on, on his wetsuit. So he's just wearing a wetsuit top with board shorts down the bottom and I feel I feel those two big buttons and I'm like, okay, he's already ditched his weight belt and I, I just roll him over and then the waves are smashing me against the rock and I'm just trying to keep his head above water because he's he's limp and I'm keeping his head above the water, trying to keep his head above the water and I'm, I'm like starting to drown you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good swimmer, but um, I'm against the rocks and i got my brother in my arms and then finally sort of something happened and, and I was able to to get him under. So I reached from, from behind him, went under his mm. left arm with my mm. other arm, like under his armpit, mm. got his head out of the water and um, he put his arm along my arm and he put his hand on top of my hand and he squeezed it and he rolled his head over. He had thrown his mask. I still had my mask on like an idiot. He rolls his head over and he looks me in the eyes. And what had happened that morning, we were driving driving to get some ice cream for his daughter, and uh, he was eating some sultanas that were just a snack on the floor in the, in the front of my car, and he was smashing all these sultanas, and he started choking his lungs out on this sultana. And he looks over at me while really he's choking, he goes, tell my wife I love her. And then he coughs out and this massive sultana comes out of his hand, and, and we laughed our heads off. It was so funny. And when he looked me in the eyes, I just knew that he said to me, tell my family I love them. And then his eyes rolled back in his head and his hand went limp and I felt the life go out of him. And uh, I just grabbed him and I just started swimming as hard as I could to get into the beach. And I was swimming and swimming. And um, as I come around, that plateau that the young guy was standing on that I said before that I was, thought was going to drown, um, I saw it then, it was like a meter up, and um, I was getting bashed by the waves. And um, I I believe God assisted me. I told you, we're Christians. And um, it was all my power. I just pushed, because I had him around under arms, grabbed him around the waist, and I just boosted him up out of the water. And I threw him up on top of the rocks in the wave surge. And the wave started to come down with the water, and his body started to drag down the rocks. And I just went down his leg. And it was his bloody leg, I realised, because it was his left leg. And I'm, like, trying to keep pushing him. And I'm, like, flippering as hard as I can to push him up, holding him by the ankle. And I'm, like – and I see one of the boys jump down and grab his wrist. I was, like, have you got him? And they're, like – and I see that they've got him because I see both arms get pulled up. And I just went down. I went limp. And uh, I just was, like, just left him there on the rocks with those guys. And uh, I just was, like, swimming. And I was, like, after that, immediately, like – I felt like all the adrenaline left my body. And um, uh, I just rolled on my back and I was like, oh my God, the shark's still in the water. I've got to get out of the water. So I start flipping as hard as I can. And I realize I've still got my weight belt on. And it's this um, Sea Hornet weight belt, like from the 40s or 50s. It's like antique heirloom. And I just pulled the thing and just ditched it with a two, four pound fat man. Weights on it, and um, I just started swimming back to shore and uh, got to a point where you know, I was maybe two or three hundred meter swim, I think. And um, I, I got back to shore and I, I threw my gloves off, started took my flippers off, and I, I walked back into the water. and My legs were gassed, and I was done. You know, I, this lady's come up, and you know, I'm, as I'm walking, I see my, my, my brother's wife run across the rocks because and uh. She just takes off, around the corner, and um, I sat. She just lays like, sit down, sit down. I sat down, and I was gassed, man. I sat down, I just lay back on the sand. I remember looking up at the um, at the trees in the on the cliff edge, and there's this massive um, uh, eagle eagle nest. And I was like, oh, eagle nest. And I was like, man, why am I why am I looking at an eagle nest like my brother's my brother's dying, you know? And I tried to get up but I was I was done man I spent I think it was shock and, and all that sort of stuff like that and sat there for like what felt like two or three minutes maybe five minutes and I walked back and I you know I hugged these kids and they said what's happened And I just told them oh I think he's been cut on the rocks you know I had to lie to him at that point and uh that made me sit down I was in shock and I was just shaking I was shaking and you know, and then after a while, I must have been there for a while and the ambulance turned up and they ran around the rocks and I just, from then I just, I was like, I have to know. I have to know what's happened to my brother. And I got the strength back and put another shirt on, tried to walk around the rocks. They wouldn't let me walk around the rocks until the helicopter had dropped off the paramedics and they dropped the paramedics off and the helicopter left and they let me go around the rocks. And uh, he was, he was, he was not in a good way and the boys were, boys and these ladies and this nurses and off-duty nurses and that they were they're were working on him as hard as they could you know there's a machine doing it doing its thing and um you know just just I really thank those guys for for doing everything they could and and um you know he he was he was dead before he come out the water I, I knew it when he looked me in the eyes I, I knew that he'd passed and and um it was pretty painful experience and pretty traumatic because I feel like, you know, we both could have got taken by shark. I remember when I was coming back in, I just was like, I wished it was me that I got hit because I didn't leave two kids behind, but at the same time I was felt guilty then because I still got a wife as well that loves me. And, um, you know, and maybe if it was me that got taken, maybe my brother would have felt guilty forever for the rest of his life because he might have thought that he talked me into going into the water. But he didn't, man. I, I went in there with him. Like, I wanted to have fun and experience life with him and, and you know, we had a really good time and it's, uh, it's pretty chilling. Like, I remember, and I was sitting there looking out to sea and um, these whales, man, these whales were just jumping up out the water, <sighs> splashing. And then I swear, man, that same small turtle I seen comes up to the water and it flapped its flipper on the top of the water. Everyone was paying their respects to my brother and um. It was it was so painful, so beautiful. And um yeah, and that's that's it, man. That's that's the story of how I lost my brother and um. uh, you know, and I just worry that that it's gonna affect the spearing community. And he wouldn't want that. He's a he's a joker, he's a laugher and um, you know. I don't know if much can be learned from this experience, but.
0: Just chatting with you, Robert, it honestly sounds like it could happen to anyone, man. Like, um, it doesn't sound like, you know, anything, you guys did anything untoward or, you know, like you weren't idiots for being out there. It wasn't some crazy, like jumping into some madness and, you know, it just sounds like you guys were spearfishing, shore diving off a popular location and, um, and this freak event happened, and um, and and your brother copped it, and it could have happened uh, to yep. any of us.
1: Yeah, man, and it and of course, like you know, when people start finding out and stuff, like you know, everyone was like just wanted to know because I think they all knew he was there without another Spiro, and um they were worried he was in the water on his own, and I was just glad that I could be there in the water and. You know I was there to help him and pull him out of the rocks to give him the respect that he deserved like I could easily just swam away like a chicken under the fear of you know I'm a novice man I can't hold my breath for five seconds
0: honestly Rob it sounds like it sounds like you had a real good crack man and it sounds like you did everything within your power and I just want to um just encourage you man like um don't don't um. I think sometimes when guys hear about shit happening, our natural reaction is to want to problem solve and to work out, you know, how we could have done it differently, whatever you know. And it's like part of our, our I think, our hearts is to try and fix things. But honestly, it sounds like you know, with 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 everything that happened and with your experience level, and all the rest of it, it sounds like you did a phenomenal job, man. And um, and I, you know, I just want to sort of Yeah, I just want to express that.
1: Yeah, man, look, I I don't regret anything I did. I did everything I could. I wasn't an experienced spear fisherman and, um, you know, know, and that's it. And, um, you know, maybe he should have been wearing his wetsuit pants. Um, Maybe that could have saved him because... uh, you know, I, I, Man, spoke to,
0: in, I spoke to In summer, in summer months, I dive in a pair of board shorts with a rash top, and um, and a lot of people are the same. In summer, and you know, like if you're in warm water, it's completely understandable. So
1: yeah, and so you know, it's it's I'm comfortable. Like, you know, the one thing I would say to everyone is, like I said, I'm a I'm a born again Christian. I'm baptized, spirit filled, and speaking tongues. And my brother was too. We both go to church twice a week and. We're right with our Maker, and I know when the Lord returns, I'll be there with Him again. That's what gives me the peace. That's what is able to pull me through this. Mm. And um, you know, if if uh, if there's only one thing I can say is is yeah, be, be right with your Maker. And um, yeah, and he he would he would tell people, get out there and have fun. You know, it was only three weeks earlier that my mum asked. He's like, why do you keep getting in the water? And he said, look, I've taken a lot of fish from the sea. If a fish takes me from the sea, that's the circle of life, you know, and that's that's the reality of it. So, um, you know, that I remember this stupid reporter asking me. He said, "Um, oh, what would you have to say to to anyone that wants to go to Fraser Island?" I said, "Man, do it, do it, get out there, have fun, get in the water, enjoy yourself." He said, "Um, what about the sharks?" I said. Mate, there's, like, there's been one fatal shark attack in the last 100 years. The odds are really good that nothing's going to happen. More people have died from dingoes on Fraser Island than have died from sharks. But they go and put dingo fences up because people are too stupid to be able to protect themselves from the dingoes, you know. So if you can't enjoy yourself and be out there, then, then don't go out there, you know. But, um, you know, it's just... It's just nature. That's just the way it is. There's not any reason why he got hit and I didn't get hit or, or why that the spear fisherman that was in on the water on his own didn't get hit, you know, like it's just just the way it is and and um, I'm
0: okay with that. I'm stoked that you guys have a have a have a strong faith and a belief in something eternal. Like I think it, it definitely makes um makes a lot of difference when you're processing grief and I mean I mean I'm stoked you've come and shared the story. Um but and sometimes you know when I explore near misses and accidents and things that happen in the ocean a lot of it is about you know taking away and learning from it what we can and sometimes we can't man just just shit happens and honestly like it sounds like you know he's a top bloke and he was doing exactly what he loved and um and he was diving off the shore and and taking a newbie spear fishing which is i love doing as well you know and and you i'm sure you appreciated it you know and and, man, and I, I honestly loved, i loved
1: every minute of it except for those last few seconds you know it was man when i was sitting there watching him poised like a cat and when i shot that spear when i speared that fish that big dewy after hearing his spear go off man i was prepared to celebrate you know it was going to be it was going to be a good day it was going to be really good and i was really pumped for that and that's, the, that's what I'll take away and that's what I'll hold with me forever. So, you know, it's, um, it's really good. And, uh, you know, will I get back in the water? Uh, probably not. I'm a, I'll just stick to my land-based hunting for the moment. I don't like fish anyway, so <laughs> why am I going to go chase that? So it's um, – but, you know, I've got respect for that. everyone else that wants to get out there and, and I don't want to discourage people from getting out there and harvest fishing and and choosing what they want to take from the water. And, um, you know, I just encourage that. And, um, you know, it's just how we deal with these experiences sometimes is what's important, not what happens from it. So uh, Mm -hmm. that's all I want to say. And I just wanted to share my experience with the spearing community and, and, um, you know, we're hurting, we're in a lot of pain and, um, but I needed to talk about it. I needed to get it off my chest and, uh, you know, he loved you guys and listened to you guys all the time driving his car and I just wanted to give back to the community that gave so much to him and um, I just think that, I don't know, if, if someone can take some small snippet of information or, or give the spearing community some kind of peace of mind after a traumatic experience, you know, that's, that's some kind of success for me.
0: Can I be awful and ask um, just a couple of specific questions? Um, is it would that be all right? Yeah, let's 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 try
1: it out. What do you do? You know what species it was? I don't know exactly, but um, our best calculations is it was probably a bully, and possibly not even that big. It just come in from straight outside. Just come in, one bite, gone. Like
0: so, did it come up? up from underneath or was it up in the water column and then it sort of come in?
1: Okay. So, so I never saw a shark, right? All I saw was a ball of sand like, and I just okay. thought my brother had a big fish. And, um, but, uh, look, it was just a big dark gray from, you know, from what I know, it was just a big dark gray shark. And it just, just seemed to come out from the ocean. Mm-hmm. Hit him one bite, taste the blood, take off. And, um, yeah. And it, Hung around for a bit. I think that's what the fisherman said. It was like right behind us the whole time, but you I'm know, just then it just sort of slowly swam off. So that it was quite shallow there at the time too. And apparently in the past there's always been like a shelf. The sand okay. comes up and there's a bit of a shelf. And they have seen my mates have seen the bullies hanging around on the top of the shelf, just out past okay. the the rocks. So
0: what what do you think the viz was?
1: Uh, so my best guess was like four meters. Um, okay. Uh, that's that's all I could see. But maybe that's just my cheap foggy goggles. Um, because I man, when my brother said that black cloud, I couldn't even see the fish, you know, like till I dived right right down. So, uh, may, maybe six meters, and it was only shallow, man, only like probably three or four meters. Like, yep. but that for me as a as a noob spearer, that's um that's pretty deep. I can't yeah, dive yeah, down yeah. swim back from that.
0: So, man, it sounds it sounds common to a lot of Brisbane diving, to be honest, especially like within the bay or close to inshore Sunshine Coast, like. um and you know hunting over sand and then you might deal with a ledge or some structure or something and but one thing i do notice is um in poor visibility bull sharks are really cocky and they, um, even the you know the bigger ones and the smaller ones, they just seem to lose a lot of their fear. And I mean, it, it is kind of their mo to bite and identify a little bit, like we were joking about earlier about spear and identify. I think bull um, yeah. sharks are, are guilty of it. So um, that that's so awful. I, I
1: spoke, I spoke to my my other two mates, my brother's mates, and they sort the of conditions on the GoPro and stuff like that from from the previous footage and. Which was similar to that that same time, and um, they said that um, they said that man that that conditions look good. They said they'd dive there every day of the week okay. under those conditions. That you know, mm, nothing mm. unusual. It was shallow. It it looked safe as, you know, yeah. And they said they were they wouldn't be spooked by those conditions at all. And um, like, like I said,
0: I, I'd be diving it too, um, and I think probably ninety percent of the people that listen to this podcast would as well, and. Um, and like I said, like my initial thing, it's like it sounds like it could happen to anyone because I think most of us would have been out and spearfishing in those conditions and having a bloody good time doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, like my my brother done previously, you know. Like I said, that's probably his biggest fish he got off that same headland, only maybe fifty meters further down around the rocks, twenty-eight kilo mackerel. You know, and this is something this is something we're joking about that that literally the, the day before he said to me, he "goes because um, he's he's got his big boat." And um, he said to me, he goes, Man, this is on the way out to Nagala Rocks, actually, the previous day. He goes, Man, if I get the fish of a lifetime in a $5,000 borrowed tinny and my 100 k boat is sitting at home, I'm going to be spewing. I said, What <laughs> did <ready> spew? <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Hmm. You know, That's and we, awesome. we just thought. We, we had a good time we had a good laugh and you know we shared a lot of stories and you know and he, he taught me a lot of stuff about spearfishing that that oh, I'll never forget it and look I'll probably listen to a few more podcasts and because you guys tell a good story and have a good laugh and and i appreciate yet let me come on and, and share my experience and um I have enjoyed it and uh, probably wasn't as comical as I would have liked but um, you know it's it is what it is and and I just want 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 to say thanks for Let me share the story because maybe it's not the sort of thing that people really want to hear or maybe, you know, it's a sad, sad story, but, um, I, I just had to, to share it.
0: Man, it's a real honour to have you, Rob, and, uh, it's awesome to honour, uh, Matt's memory and to, um, and to really explore sort of what happened and not for the interests of you know getting mass public attention but just sharing actually what happened and it's I'm stoked you would um you know reach out and we could do this thing um I've, I've had a quick look at Matt's Facebook and there's a ton of messages flowing in from he he was a guy that was much loved and uh, I think um when someone's gone you truly start to appreciate what kind of person they were and the legacy they left and um you know, just from the looks of it, you know, and I didn't know Matt well, Um, but you know, and I know, but I know some of his friends, and I know, just from the brief exchanges in his Facebook, you know, like he 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 seemed like a top man, and um, and it's awesome to be able to sort of pay tribute to him and chat with you about it.
1: Oh, thanks very much, man. Um, uh so the the boys have just set up a, a GoFundMe for my brother, um, so I'll, I'll share those details with you after the show and. Look, it's, uh, you know, I, I guess we're okay with everything, but, you know, my brother was an aircon mechanic and he worked for himself and he had a, a good business, but with him not being there, obviously, you know, he can't be there supporting his family. And, um, you know, if anyone wants to show some kind of appreciation and, you know, people obviously can't be there for us, you know, if they want to chip in a dollar or two, that would be appreciated. But I'm not reaching out my hand and asking for people to help. You know, I'll look after my brother's family as best I can, but I know that the only reason we create it is because people've been asking us to create it. And um, so we've created it. The one thing I would like to do for my brother is I'm gonna get a design made up and I wanna get like a, a picture of, you know, the goggles in his GoPro and a like crazy camouflage hoodie and a and a spear in his hand and and I think if I could sell a few shirts with Matt Trap written on it, get a couple of Spearos rocking that. The day I walk through the supermarket and see someone wearing that shirt, that will make me really happy. That would be cool.
0: Man, I'd, I'll I'll be one of the first to to buy one. That'd be awesome to honor Matt in that way. And um I'm going to link up your GoFundMe. I'm going to link up your t-shirts if you get them going and uh dot com forward slash Matt M A T T. And uh, the GoFundMe there will be there. The shirts will be there, and uh I'll link up you as well, Rob. And uh I know you got your own podcast as well, but um. And, man, um, really, like I said, it's just a real honour to, to, to just share in his story and his spearfishing journey. And, I mean, even though, yeah, so it's rough. It's, it's special. So thank you.
1: No, thanks very much, man. I appreciate it. And um, if you ever want to catch up with me again and, and uh, do a follow-up, I'm probably more than happy to do so. And, and um, I just wish the spearfishing community all the best and you guys have got my support as well. And um, I just really, I know my brother would be all about that and that's thats what I want, that's what I love. And um, I wish all the best to his mates, the spearfishing mates, they're the ones they're hurting really hard because I guess the reality is it could have been any one of them could have been in the water with him and either had to go through that or be the person to, to experience it. And um, I'm glad it was me. I think that that's, a, that's the best thing to give everyone peace of mind. So okay, that's Cool.
0: Uh, well, love and praise from um, from all of us in the spearfishing community. Uh, if I can be a spokesperson at one point in my life, that would be it. Um, Rob, man, absolute pleasure to have you uh, join the new spear podcast and, and share a bit of Matt's story. Um, can can people come and find you or connect with you anywhere, Rob, and just um, offer you any messages, as, as support, or anything like that?
1: Yeah, they can find me on Hunt Shoot Off Road on Instagram, Hunt Shoot Off Road on Facebook. Um, I guess everyone knows my, my name, which is Rob Tratt. You can find me on Facebook there as well, and um, probably better off contacting me by either by Instagram or my personal Facebook. And um, you know, I'll try and answer as many messages as I can, but um, I'm only one man, and I don't have anyone doing it for me. So, um, fantastic, yeah, but I'm available. And uh,
0: don't feel I appreciate it. Don't feel any obligation to get back to messages at the moment. Uh, yeah, just. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough old, it's a tough thing you you know you you're moving through. So, uh,
1: thanks very much, Isaac. Appreciate
0: it. So Rob, we caught up last night. Um, it's good to touch base with you again because, as is frequently the case, um, a lot of people I chat with remember you know things the day after they wanted to chat about and touch on so it's good to be able to connect with you again so um there was a few things you wanted to sort of go over or reclarify
1: yeah so um me and my brother we used to always watch um the young bloods yeah you know um I, I don't watch it anymore um i think the channel has changed direction from what i used to enjoy about it but um me and my brother used to sit there and watch it and his son would be sitting there and watch it and you know, my brother and his and his son would be like, oh, you know, that's a queenfish, that's a coral trout, and that's a this and that's a that. And um, we're there watching all the things and I said to my brother, I was like, oh, that's a G fish. He's like, which one? And he goes back, we watch it there, just there. Oh, man, you missed that big G fish. And then we're playing through and I was like, oh, that's another good G fish. And um, my brother just starts laughing his head off. He's like, a G fish. And then his son goes, what's a G fish? And I said, uh, a good fish, a really good fish, and of course it was the chicks in the g-strings. <laughs> and so we always would watch the the the, new, the um the young bloods. So we watching, of course, the the chicks in the bikinis and come on and be like, we'd just wait till it clicked off of the chick and be like, "Oh, g-fish, yeah, nice, nice." <laughs> and um and you know and our, and our wives were there, and we'd we'd all be laughing and have a have a carry on. And anyway, there was a story. He was um. He uh, went over to the um, uh, Morton Bay on the wreck over there, and um, we we're always joking about this. And he's over there on the Morton Bay wreck, and he's like snorkeling around. I, I don't know if he's spearfishing or not. I think can you spearfish? There? I don't know. Anyway, he um, he's over there, and there's this chick on a stand-up paddleboard in a in a g-string paddling through the thing, and there's these other three or four blokes there, and their wives are there with them, and they're paddling around. And one pokes his head out the water, and he's just like eyes oh, are goggling at this chick my brother goes oh did you see the big g fish did you and he's like sorry what like because he just didn't even hear what my brother said he goes did you see the big g fish and he goes the g- oh the g fish and then he turns around to his mates he goes boys quick get over here there's a massive g fish it's the best thing you've ever seen and like, so all the boys are like oh g fish and they're like well, have, a, have a look at the g fish and of course they're like they're swimming around following the G fish all through the wreck and and my brother was sharing me that story and it was it was just classic. And um, you know, when we used to go up to Fraser Island as kids, my uncle Jace, he was like always part of the part of the trips up there and he would always be like the lead car and they'd always come over to radio. Uh white pointers, white pointers. And that was code for there was some uh, titties on the beach, you know. <laughs>
0: <they're> always
1: topless. <laughs> so when we were up there at Fraser on the weekend, and we're driving up, and my brother goes, ah, uh, "Not many, lo- not many white pointers out here, but there seems to be some signs of some good G fish." <laughs> you know, so we're driving around, going, "You know, uh, G fish in the water here. There's a big bit of a school of them." You know, if, if you had more than more than one. And, um, <laughs> anyway, the morning that we rocked up to the to Indian Head, we're we're getting our gear out the Ute, and um, this uh, like hundred series Land Cruiser pulls up. With some backpackers in it, these chicks get out, and I look over there, and um, I said to my brother, I said, "Looked over to him, I said, looks like the G fish are out. It's going to be a good day." <laughs> and I said to my wife, I said, "I said, Tab, did you see the uh, see the G fish over there?" And she's like, literally standing on the side steps of the Land Cruiser on the driver's side, leaning over into the uh, passenger side of the vehicle, you know, <laughs> full full shot, and she just goes. She's like, you idiot. I was like, well, when are you going to get a pair of swimmers like that? And, you know, me, Matt and Kayla, everyone's laughing their heads off. And I was like, you know, that's when we just grabbed our kit and we headed out. And, um, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, that's something that I'll, is always going to be special and we'll always joke about with our friends and stuff is the G-fish and yeah. <laughs> you know if I can get that saying to catch on that'd be pretty cool
0: <laughs> Oh, I think it's a, you've already got me to take off on it so that's that's awesome Rob yeah
1: um, that might be another good one for a t-shirt
0: the a G-fish <laughs> oh I like it I'll see yeah. what I can do um I I I was um, having a think about things this morning as well, and I was—I was, I had a couple more questions about sort of what happened. Um, uh, do, you, do, you, do you mind if, if I ask you a couple more about it? No, that's
1: all right. Go for
0: it. <laughs> it sounds really impersonal to start asking you like this, but, I mean, did the, 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 the shark come in once and
1: was yep, that it? just came in, came in, bite, left. Yeah, right. Look, oh. it, it, it still hung around in the water behind us apparently. Okay. Um, so the lion fishermen could see it? So one of the lion fishermen got a little bit of iPhone footage, but I've seen it. It's it's rubbish. It's You, you can't even see anything really. But um, I tried asking the lion fishermen. They, they're pretty choked up. They couldn't say much. But they said, like, they could see it swimming around in, in the blood behind us. Yeah, um, I know. I don't know how long it's hanging around, but the the shark just come in, bit him once quick on the leg by the looks, flip, like, because um, – He's in the water with the fish, like down in front of him. So the fish is between him and the rocks, okay. And so he's obviously floating, sort of with his back down. And um, it just would appear that the shark come up from behind, hit his leg, and rolled him upside down. And um, you know, once it got the taste, it just took off. Yeah, right. So he wasn't mauled. You know, he, he wasn't mauled. It was just one one bite.
0: But did it hit his hit the like the big artery?
1: Yeah. It, so that's why I spoke to the um. The Ambo, after I said, um, he told me, he said there's two big collateral arteries that run down through your body, down your (coughs) leg, and that they it got one of those arteries down, I think, like, I'm not sure where on the leg, but, yeah, it's the femoral artery. And um, that's I I think I might have said to you last night, but um, the Ambo said that when you cut that artery, um, that blood will pump out really fast. It's, like, the worst thing you can be cut by. And when you're in the water... um, there's no pressure there to, to try and stem that flow of blood. And so when you're in the water, you pump out even faster. And so that's why he didn't have a chance really So because he pumped out in the water. Even if we'd got him on the rocks the first time, he probably didn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because when I, when I um started to swim him around, um, I don't think there was any more blood in the water. He'd stopped bleeding. You know, he, he bled out.
0: Yeah, right. Oh, uh, rugged, man. It's was bloody crazy. It's crazy chatting about it today. It was crazy chatting about it last night. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And
1: um, so the, the other thing that I wanted to share was, um, so after the event, um, you know, we I think I told you we had some friends that have a house on the island and they come down, they're devastated and they come picked us up and took us back to their place, which made things really easy to transition. And they obviously took us back to our campsite in the morning, packed all their gear up with us so we could head off the island. But the one thing I wanted to do was I wanted to go back and see that young Spiro that, that he'd met at the water. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just wanted to go and talk to him. So we drove down and I I, that, I knew where to camp because he told my brother they were the first campsite at the the Marlou campsite. And I just pulled up and those boys were sitting on the beach and having a couple of beers and having a really good time, big smiles on their face, and I got out of the car and I just said, hey, guys, I um, I just come over here because I know my brother wanted to speak to you tonight and I just know he would have wanted to share some wisdom and some experience to help you grow as a Spearow and um, he'd want you to listen to the Noob Spearo podcast and, um, look, I said to him, I said, look, my brother's two spear guns are still out there in the water. I said, and it was paining me when I was sitting on those rocks and seeing that huge, big Adreno float just floating in the water with, you know, 30 meters of brand new float line and a, and a roller gun on the end with a big dewy hanging off the, the end of my spear gun. And I said, I'd just really appreciate it if the first light, if you just go straight out there and collect the spear guns if you can. I said, I don't expect you to go in the water, but if you could just collect those spear guns, I don't want, I want, I said, and you can just have it. I don't care. I want it to go to someone that would appreciate the equipment rather than just go to waste or get collected by some fisherman who doesn't think much of it. And I just said that I know my brother would really appreciate that it goes to some good use. And um, he was like, Yeah, yeah. And he had this. It was when I told him I had the, he goes, Oh, that, he goes, that big red Adreno float. And his eyes were like a light, like it really obviously meant something to him. And look, he was smiling the whole time and, and, um, I just was glad he was able to smile because I didn't want it to ruin his experience on the island. I just said to him, I said, look, I'm not trying to ski at the water. I still want you to be able to go out there and have fun and, and enjoy yourself, I said, but I would just like to tell you to just to be careful and um, I just wanted you to know that because I said, you know, you met him and you probably got questions yourself when you find out because he obviously had no idea. I don't think he had any phone reception. Anyway, he made contact with me uh, yesterday and he had actually – been able to go out there and recover the roller gun, but the um, the real gun is still in the water there somewhere. And um, that, that's all right. I, I can live with that. And there's also that uh, antique Sea Hornet belt out there as well. So um, anyway, uh, but what happened, he, he recovered that roller gun and that, and then the Rangers come round in the, in the uh, late, I don't know, later in the day or something, and they, um, they took it off him, told him that the police needed it for the investigation, and um, he told me that his mum like was like she was in shock and horror because the initial report was that it was a young twenty year old man had been taken off Indian Head, and she was just worried it was going to be him. And I was like, man, I'd hate to think of the fear of his mother, that the trauma that she might have gone through on the stress that it was her son as well. So um, I, I'm going to catch up with him. He's a local Brisbane boy as well, and um. Yeah, we'll catch up with him later. And that's, I'm just, I'm just really glad he was able to go out and get that, get that gun for me. Um, I'll meet up with him and I, I don't know if I'll give him that gun. Maybe I'll give him another gun. Um, but I'll definitely give him something because it means a lot to me. And just, yeah, it was just, just good to be able to, I guess, maybe calm the situation. I'm glad I went and told him to because he would have known nothing about that. So he, maybe he went and made contact with his mum just to let him know he's safe. So. Yeah. I yeah. think that was really important. So I was really glad I made that decision to go and see him.
0: They bug it up they bug it up the reporting big time. There was other reports it was a scuba diver and um, I was just wondering how why they got the reporting so wrong and mixed up.
1: I just want to release him, inform- be the first people to say something, you know. So Yeah, without getting their f- and to most people skin diving, scuba diving, same thing. But of course there was all the idiots going. Going, oh he must have been doing something illegal scuba diving with a spear you know like all that stuff like that i i had a quick flash through there but i didn't really care I knew, yeah, good on you i knew all the idiots would gone, gonna be on there and say say stupid stuff so which is why i wanted to get on the news and and just sort of correct some of the story and just you know get out there and promote the whole thing about harvesting your fresh fish and, and all that that's that was really special to me because um because that's what he did you know like that's but, what he liked. Know, a lot of the people were just like Oh, look at these people entering shark infested waters and just going no. around killing things. Hmm. You know, but it's not about that as as all us guys in the community would know.
0: Yeah, you can you can tell a lot about um people by how quickly they react to things and overreact to things. Um it's a real mark of maturity to just hold your words and respect people's um right to grieve and just get past things I think like um, you just come off looking like a dickhead too spouting off about stuff you know nothing about like especially when you're not there and all the rest of it so that stuff annoys me and and I wasn't even you know privy to the incident I'm already sitting there seething reading some of this shit but um, you've done well to avoid it Rob but good on you man.
1: Yeah thanks mate but that's um, I think that's everything I wanted to cover off on and you know if I think of other things I'm not going to harass you now but I really wanted to tell the G fish story. That's um, <laughs> yeah. that's a classic. I remember know? that one myself, man. I, I, I um, uh, yeah. I feel like I stuffed up the uh, my the line fisherman joke, because I was a bit emotionally caught up at the time. But you know, that's I just I had a good laugh with the you know all line fisherman of fat and lazy. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's, that's
1: especially, the Spiro, especially Spiro Spiro way.
0: Considering some of your family are, are lime fishermen, it's you giving them a bit of stick at the same time, which is which is everyone enjoy, I'm sure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Nah, what's the awesome, problem? Uh, cool, man. Um, yeah, I'd like to touch base with you again, but um, we'll do that again in the future. But I'm, I'm stoked we could do it again this morning and and ca- and uh, catch up on a few other bits and pieces. And um, yeah, I just sort of thought about it. Sometimes I, 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 yeah, I didn't really want to ask a lot of the the deep questions, I guess, because I just felt like a, you know, like poking a, you know, just. Poking something sore, you know what I mean. I, you know, but it's it's, it's awesome to, to and a, like I said, a real honour to share the story. So thanks for coming on again.
1: No, thank you very much. I really appreciate it.
0: Massive chat today with uh, with Rob Tratt, the the brother of uh, of Matt, obviously who was fatally attacked. Um, on Fraser Island off the you know the the coast of Queensland Australia and it was really cool getting to share that story with you it was a real honor to be honest to be reached out and uh, to and, and 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 to have the privilege of, of interviewing him getting him to share this the full story about about what happened and um, yeah you know um takeaways and actionable and practical stuff is generally what I'm about on this show but I don't really want to do too much of that today, you know, in the next few weeks there might be a few things that that come and get shared on the uh, newspirit.com, and uh, by all means tune in, uh, have a look and you know we, we can learn about first aid. We can learn about how to dive with sharks better. But sometimes tragedy happens, shit happens. It's the nature of spearfishing. And Matt lived his life to the fullest. Absolutely loved and frothed on spearing. And I'd encourage you to go out and continue to do the same. But the reality is, uh, spearfishing, there's a, um, there are risks. And M- Matt paid a massive price. Uh, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It's a, it's a horrible thing. But, um, you know, needless to say, I hope you enjoyed the episode today. And, you know, Matt frothed on Spirit, and I hope you do too. And I hope you continue to enjoy it, and I hope you continue to do it safely. And, um, yeah. Anyway, as usual, guys, I'm your host, Isaac, aka Shrek. And uh, it was fantastic to be able to break the story and share it with you today on today's episode. And I just wanted to thank Rob um, for reaching out to me and just being keen on sharing back with the spearfishing community and with you guys, the listeners, and uh, Matt was a listener as well, so awesome to get to share uh, his story even though it was such a horrific uh, accident and a tragedy for his family and and the Spearrow community, and uh, we've lost a champion, uh, an absolute top bloke, and um, yeah, I haven't got much else to add today to today's episode, a uh, real shock to the system, and yeah, um, I got in from you know a couple of 12 hour night uh 12 hour shifts at work and finally got to get on the phone with rob after a couple of days and uh and break the story with you so yeah hey i'll see you again soon for another episode of the nobespero podcast something very different today but uh cool getting to share it with you guys so i'm over and out shrek out